Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Halloween 1992. Boo! And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. It was listed in the Radio Times as a Screen One special. It was introduced as fiction. It had a writer credited in the opening titles. And yet, because it used famous, trusted TV presenters as actors, and because it played with the grammar of live television, Ghost Watch, the BBC's Halloween drama slash prank broadcast today in history in 1992, fooled many of its 11 million viewers that the haunting events they were watching were real. Yeah, to the extent that a pre-show continuity announcement said, Now on BBC One, Screen One presents an unusual but sometimes disturbing film marking Halloween. Using the modern idiom of the outside broadcast, Michael Parkinson, Sarah Green, Mike Smith and Craig Charles star in Ghostwatch. Although in fairness, it was very easy to miss that if you had tuned in slightly late. <laughs> yeah, so the story of what this mockumentary was investigating was that it was going to be a live ghost investigation centred around two young girls, Kim and Susan Early, and they were being haunted by a terrifying spook called Pipes at their West London home. And this bit is still a bit scary, I reckon. The, the, the ghoul in question was so-called because the children heard noises in their house and their mum said it was just the Pipes, and that's how it got its name Pipes. And over the course of the 90-minute show, it was gradually revealed that Pipes was the disturbing... A child molester. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. something you would not do on BBC One these days. Never mind the whole elaborate <laughs> faux documentary thing. Yeah, still freaky. Yeah. A child molester called Raymond Tunstall. And what makes it even more scary is that this character's ghostly figure keeps popping up in the background throughout the screening of the documentary. I mean, it's really clever the way it's put together, particularly because because this was 10 years before Most Haunted. This show preempted the visual language of what that kind of trashy series would be like before it had been invented. You know, the infrared cameras, the interviews with passers-by on the street, live shaky-style camera work and stuff. And... I mean, Sarah Green's good, Mike Smith's good, Craig Charles obviously was a professional actor anyway, but the genius was having Michael Parkinson at the helm. I mean, could you have, outside of the news environment on BBC One, a more trusted anchor than Michael Parkinson to make you think, even if you've been told it's fiction, that this is a live TV show and it's what he's telling me it is. They're trying to find out whether you can see a ghost at home and call this number if you can. Yeah, I mean, Parkinson is exceptional as Michael Parkinson. I can totally see why. If you just happen to be channel hopping... Why you give him the role of Michael Parkinson? He was the best man for the role. There are several (laughs) factors that lend it authenticity, despite the fact we've already listed all things that really made it very clear that this was fiction from the beginning. So viewers weren't used to the whole field of ghost detection equipment. I mean, it's a bit of a joke now, isn't it? It's become, you know, Derek Okor has made it kind of campy. But the idea that there was scientific equipment that could detect paranormal Mm. activity wasn't necessarily something that you would just 
dismiss instantly. And there were several other things as well. You know, Sarah Green and Mike Smith, you know, they were married. They were both TV presenters. The previous year, they'd taken over hosting a fly-on-the-wall BBC series called Hospital Watch. So mm. the name Ghost Watch seemed to have that ring of truth about it. And obviously, you already had Crime Watch airing on BBC as well. So it seemed to be falling into a field of you know TV shows that did exist for real. And there was also the fact that the plot is heavily based on the Enfield poltergeist, which was a real story that made headlines in the late 70s. This, again, was about two sisters being at the centre of a tale of disturbance and demonic possession in suburbia. So I think... Watching it, viewers' vague memories of that real-life news story probably lent a bit of additional truthiness to the Ghost Watch plot too. Yeah, I mean, by the end, you've got to be pretty stupid. I mean, I know that it's convincingly done, but I mean, it does end with Parky turning to camera, being possessed by the voice of Pipes. I mean, that's a fairly clear signal that you're being had, I would say. Sure, but still scary. Like, you know, even if you're not one of the people, well, one of the many thousands of people who called in quite concerned that... (laughs) Parkinson actually, you know, needed saving. Um, it was still scary. You know, it was a it was a pleasurable end because often kind of horror stories can end up being like, oh, that's a bit of an anticlimax, and it's anything but that. Well, let's credit the people involved then. So it was written by Stephen Volk, it was directed by Leslie Manning, and produced by Richard Broke, Ruth Baumgarten, and Derek Nelson. And Baumgarten had been concerned. I guess she, as executive producer, had been the person liaising with the BBC Big Cheeses about this. That too many people might think it was real so she'd stayed at Broadcasting House while the show was on air just to see what the reaction was as it went out the cast and the crew and the creatives gathered together to watch it at a live rap party at a sailing club in Chiswick because what they didn't (laughs) want to do was have the rap party early and have like a pap shot of Craig Charles and Sarah Green at the same thing because of course you need to think it was live so that couldn't be a rap party that was known about they all thought it had gone seamlessly she then turns up with this look of slight terror on her face at the rap party and was like... Because she was possessed. <laughs> she said, but we have jammed the BBC switchboard. And everyone was like, hey, we jammed the BBC switchboard because they had this phone number on screen saying, if you've seen a ghost, give us a call. And she was like, no, no, we've jammed the switchboard with complaints, yeah. with people saying we have taken this too far. Yeah, it's a bit like the thing with um, Orson Welles's War of the Worlds, in that the idea that a large percentage of the viewers were fooled is a bit of a myth. Of the 30,000 complaints that were received regarding the broadcast, some of them thought the show was just too disturbing. They weren't, conser- mm. they weren't concerned with the fact versus fiction of it. They just thought it was too much. And it is, it's quite rich stuff for the BBC, especially at the time. Others well, you forget, thought- though, that the end was... 11pm on <laughs> Halloween so like yes it is a bit much at 9.30 if you tune in and, it, and, and, and Parkinson was channelling pipes then but you've got 90 <laughs> minutes for that to unfold I would say by that point you know you're into a horror thing Well, I mean, but for others, you know, it was almost an ideological objection. They thought the whole concept of playing with the boundary between fact and fiction was detrimental to the BBC as an institution, which actually, if you think about it as a complaint, is quite, you know, farsighted. Prescient. And I suppose a lot of that comes back to the fact that you do have Michael Parkinson at the centre of it, who has had this completely, you know, unblemished, unwavering career in factual broadcasting at this point. And this is the kind of gimmick you can only do once. And you have Mm. to have an enormous amount of earned trust to pull it off, even if the viewer doesn't believe that it's real to be convincing in the part you really have to have that authenticity about you which he did and I think he had one card to play and I think he chose a great way to deploy it. Well Stephen Volk later said that this was his precise intention it was important to the drama that it carried that exact element of pretend 
truthiness that then, you know, was exactly the thing that ended up setting people off, including allegedly Parkinson's mum, <laughs> who herself was concerned that something bad might have happened to her boy. Uh, there was also a story that a vicar phoned in to complain that even though he realised it wasn't real, he thought that the BBC had raised demonic forces. Oh, there are some <laughs> fabulous complaints. I mean, one woman apparently went into labour during the show, another asked for compensation in the form of a pair of new trousers because her husband shat himself. Um, <laughs> That's a joke, surely. <laughs> this was the first ever TV show that um, ended up with complaints reporting children getting PTSD from watching it. And at the saddest end of the scale, there was a young man who died by suicide. As a result, his parents thought of him having watched this show and then getting obsessed with this show. Although he had learning disabilities and Ofcom felt afterwards that it wasn't this program per se that led directly to that course of action. It still gave this stigma over this show for years. Not just that it's never been repeated on British television, which is extraordinary, but also that for years after this, terrestrial TV channels seemed to stop showing horror on Halloween at all. Yeah, tabloid headlines included things like Heads must roll at the BBC, viewers blast BBC's sick ghost hoax, and Halloween hoaxes dropped a ghoulie. And questions were actually raised in Parliament, and Sarah Green, the host of Going Live, that Saturday morning kids show, had to explain on TV that, you know, she hadn't been killed in the cupboard under the stairs by a dress-wearing <laughs> child molester ghost. So, you know, there were complications that they faced. And it's not as if they hadn't considered how to mitigate these circumstances one of the things that Baumgartner had discussed with the BBC was that there could be a discussion on BBC Two afterwards about what they'd just done so that mm. concerned viewers could flick over and see that everyone was still alive and having a creative conversation about how they put it together but that's BBC... not going to unship my trousers though, is it? <laughs> tomorrow we've got some bombs we've got some new planes you know why don't you kind of work out what you want to do with the two of them Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors.